Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast, Season 2, Episode 26, alongside Hunter Pulaski. I am Peter Garber. We are presented by Reed Furniture in downtown Petoskey. Whatever your furniture need, it's Reed indeed. In this week's episode, Oakland Hills, back in the U.S. Open rotation, is Tiger Woods going to play in the Masters? Some local stuff, including Willie Mack and Alex Scott, having some good weeks. And of course, recapping all the action from the Dell match play and Corrales Punta Cana right here on the Great Lakes Golf Podcast. Thanks for listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and on Radio 93.7 FM, The Ticket in Cadillac and Traverse City, 104.7 FM, The Ticket in Petoskey and Charlevoix, Wednesday nights at 7. Let's go. All right, Hunter, you want to start with uh, your takeaways from the WGC Dell match play. I know you said you watched like every minute of the coverage, so you obviously had a good time. Yeah, I really did enjoy it. I think I think the matchups worked out really well. Where I that would that have been so like Sunday? Who was Sunday morning? That was um, Kiz versus Connors, and then DJ versus uh, Scotty. Mm-hmm. Like I, I think those that was the perfect with those like the perfect combination of those four. To have Scotty and DJ play together, and then Kiz is just I, I, I couldn't get enough of watching Kiz get his way around that golf course. Uh, I think he mentioned it in like darn near every interview that he did of of how much he liked it and and how he felt like the how fast and firm to play kind of negated the distance in a way and made him feel like he wasn't too far behind the eight ball. But I mean to. <clears throat> For him to to beat the guys he did, he he smoked Justin Thomas. And then on a second note, Justin Thomas, we I mean we called that from the jump. He stinks at match play, and I don't know what it is. I don't know what happens, but he just can't beat the guy next to him. He can go beat the golf course more times than not, but he just cannot. <laughs> he couldn't even beat Luke List. No offense to Luke List, good player. Don't yeah, know. don't drag Luke List, dude. I love Luke List. I, I like Luke, Luke List. I'm going to be playing Luke List in DraftKings this week. I'm, but I'm dragging Justin I, Thomas, so I'll leave, I'll leave so, Luke List out of this. In fairness to Justin Thomas, that was the match where Kisner was eight under through nine holes, right? He was playing. He, he was playing exceptional. Goal. He literally just birdied every hole. So yeah, <laughs> like, nobody was going to beat. It was like watching the Tiger Woods Stephen Ames match from back in the day. Like, but it is interesting because we're coming off. A week where I thought JT was a you know a fade this week for the match play, not so much for the match play history, but the fact that he was in contention uh, last week and didn't pull it out. That's kind of a long emotional week, and then of course people are starting to look forward to Augusta. It just didn't feel like a spot where he was going to be like motivated and ready and prepared, and everything was going to be right, which it has to be to perform well in these events, unless of course you're Scotty Scheffler and you're just a superhuman old man in a young person's body. But, um, well, I really good point there. Cause I feel like we've, we've talked about this several times in this podcast of needing to be, especially when you're playing seven rounds of golf over a five day stretch, you need to be like mentally fit and physically fit and, and want to win like, to have that desire. And for like, like a guy like Justin Thomas, it doesn't make a ton of sense for him to, to come here and exert all of that energy. I mean, for Scotty, I mean, it kind of made sense. He had a world number one ranking on the, but world number ranking on the line. But you saw it 
perfect example of it Sunday afternoon with with Dustin Johnson. <laughs> looks like he those first like five holes, he looked like he wanted to concede, and he was on the, he was on the brink of just saying, "I will take fourth place, and we, well, can, we can get on our merry he, way." Yeah, a couple things on that. One is the parallel I was going to draw that I think people will draw whether fair or unfair is you mentioned JT can't beat the guy next to him. And that week that I mentioned that he's coming off of was him being in the group with Burns and eventually losing in an event where everyone was kind of just like waiting for him to win again, you're playing with the guy that ends up winning the event. I don't know if it's fair or not, but you say you can't beat the guy next to him. Like there's, you know, there's a, there's a building narrative there. However, I would caution everyone on that. It was two weeks ago we were talking about this guy's going to be the third player ever to get to 15 PJ Tour wins before age 30. So he's obviously a winner, and the ball striking numbers are incredible. So, like, look out, Augusta. I just think that that wasn't the right spot for JT. But then, secondly, you mentioned both that you really enjoyed the Sunday morning semifinal coverage and that you were disappointed in DJ's performance in the third-place match. This is the issue with this golf tournament. The best parts of it are not in the prime viewing day parts. So, like, by the time we get to Sunday afternoon, it's kind of like a bit of a, you know, a bit laborious getting through that broadcast with four players on the golf course. Whereas... In the morning, and and likewise, Saturday morning, that's when the action is really kind of, you know, fast and furious. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of holes being won. Um, There's a lot of shots to show, you know, a lot of context to provide. It's it's good, but it's not available on network, and it also is overlapping with likely commitments, you know, for people who, you know, are more likely to have the Saturday – afternoon early evening sunday afternoon early evening available to watch a golf tournament then then you know first thing in the morning basically right is when these guys are getting up and getting going for this event so you literally just i don't know yourself. how do you fix that but it's unfortunate you just described yourself like those were your viewing times <laughs> and you couldn't watch most us. i would think most people uh, in fairness yeah i could that say is yes. that is me yes yeah. i have a kid yes uh I do think that Saturday morning's rounds were awesome. Like that was, that is, you make a very good point like that it is, it is tough when there's only four people on the golf course and with the covers that we have to work with, that's a lot of time to fill for those just four guys in the golf course. Four do, people on the golf course. And, you know, two of them were playing for a bronze, you know, like it's kind of an afterthought and, and we've seen a lot of, pretty significant margins of victory in the final match over the years in this event. So like, that's just, um, that's just a bummer that the best, the Sunday after they can't give us the Sunday afternoon. The the last part of the golf tournament is, is the climax every other week. This week, there was something of a climax because Scheffler was playing for a number one ranking. And it's just this incredible meteoric rise, uh, up the world golf ranking that he's made, you know, these past, this past couple of months or whatever, but uh, it's, it's a good thing we had that 
because otherwise it would have been less interesting. What if it was Kiz DJ? Yeah. No, it's, so, it's, a, it's a very good point. And I think DJ would have played differently if he was um if he wasn't playing for, for fourth place or third place. I think he would have showed up if he was in the championship. That would have been a different story. I have a, I have a very exact scenario that happened uh, that made me so irritated. I was screaming at the Golf Channel on Saturday afternoon. This is exact. So if you remember, uh, Kisner and Adam Scott played their Sweet 16 match Saturday morning. It finished at like 1230. Mac was at my parents' house Saturday morning. So I drove up to get him around 1230. Kisner had just hold out for Eagle on 16 to get it to um, down one. And then he hit hit it to like a foot or ha- a foot and a half on 17. So he had a three in the bag. And then they showed Adam Scott hit it to, I think it was like 10 feet. He had a 10 foot for par to, to have the hole. That happened when I was in my driveway at my house in Petoskey. I was able to drive from Petoskey all the way to Brutus, Michigan, which is 25 minutes away before I knew if Adam Scott had made that putt on 17 from watching the Golf Channel. I I was getting so frustrated. Every time I thought that they would show Adam Scott and Kevin Kistner's match, they didn't. They would show who there was a playoff going on between Rom and DJ, I think. Or no, Ram and Kepka, I believe is who it was. Twenty five minutes, Peter. I, without knowing if if Adam Scott even made that putt on seventeen, I was. Scre- I don't understand. Are you watching this while driving a car? No, it's it's playing. Like it's just like the, the video's on, but I'm just listening to it, waiting to see. Like it's just sitting on the passenger seat, so I still have the audio. It's not safe, dude. <clears throat> There's lots of things we do that aren't safe in this world, Peter. I think uh, I think me listening to audio of of a golf term is probably uh, borders on the the safe side. No, you're living on the edge then. Yeah, so so I, I can't tell you. I mean, it just it made zero sense to me. There was two other matches on the golf course. I think it was I think it was Kepka and Rom, and then one other. I think it was it was Kevin. It was the other Kevin, Kevin Na, and whoever he was playing were coming down the stretch. I did see a lot of people complaining that they didn't show very much of the Kisner Justin Thomas match either. No, Kisner was like really lighting it up and it was like, okay, this, this guy's putting on like an absolute clinic. He's just shot 28 on the front and they showed like maybe a couple holes of it. So I didn't watch near as much as you did, but plenty of plenty of critiques to be had I, I, and that's without even mentioning paul azinger trying to shove it down our throats that Corey connors is a short game specialist yeah did you know that like he, how can he be so far off if you're in that position you would think he would just like grab some strokes gain data or so just like a few of the pga tour stats you know, he's a ball striker. He can't putt worth a lick. That's why he doesn't win more. It's bizarre. I, I, I'm, I'm starting to really hate Justin Leonard, too. I don't like Justin Leonard. I really don't like any of the guys on there. I'm, I'm tired of having them 
try to to diagnose a shot for 25 seconds when they could just show us i literally just want to see the swing i want to see swing 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 just swing after swing after swing they should be able to like the producers should be able to cut to these so much quicker i i'm gonna bitch i'm gonna complain about these um issues next week and the week <laughs> they're after never that. gonna present it that way it's so much more narrative style but i'm with you i'm with you all right did you want to recap our you said you were gonna you wanted to go through your how do you feel you did in your bracket uh, not, not that I think we both, I told, we talked yesterday. I went back and listened Saturday morning after the sweet 16 was, was finalized and tried to get a feel of how we each did. I feel like we both went like six for 16 ish roughly. Um, like I, I got Kanaya and powers, uh, power and, um, Kisner and a few other guys that overall like there wasn't there wasn't like anything anything like scotty barely made it into the sweet 16 i think that's worth mentioning he had a six-fold playoff against fitzpatrick that he uh, yeah managed yeah and that was my pick i think to make it out of of that group and then terrell Hatton, i had him yeah the margins are still razor thin you see a guy go on a run like that and you think uh it's it's just it's important to remind everyone that it took some you know, obviously he deserves credit for winning that six hole playoff, but it's not like he's winning every match in a blowout on, on his way to a, you know, these victories, you still need a, a helping hand, if you will. There's a lot that goes into it, including <clears throat> good fortune. And he's on an all time meter though, right now. I mean, really remarkable. Did you want to touch on, I know you wanted to talk about the official world golf rankings. I imagine that is in the context of him getting to number one this fast yeah i, I um I, i've seen a ton of people on on the the twitter machine complaining about about scotty scheffler being world number one because he hasn't won any majors or anything uh anything of like serious magnitude yet uh and i'm here i guess he just won a world golf championship so that's worth that's worth something but I'm I am here to say that Sky Scheffler is the best player in the world right now. I don't really I don't really think that is like we're confusing number one in the world with like greatest of all time. Like you can be one in the world for for a month and then you could just fall completely off the face of the earth. That doesn't mean he's the greatest of all time or one of the greatest of all time. He's world number one right now. And I don't really think that that should be up for discussion. He's won three times in five starts, all on all on different types of golf courses. And against like good fields, I, I don't, I don't really think there's a discussion to be had. But I'm seeing a lot of people complaining that he's not, he hasn't won a major, so he can't be world number one. And I don't think that's quite how it works. I think what, this is just another area in which Tiger Woods probably spoiled us because he dominated the world golf ranking and just like, I mean, he made the a mockery of the world golf ranking because he was number one for so long that it was almost absurd. And that's exactly that's what you could just as easily been complaining in the weeks, months leading up to this that Rom was never pushed off the number one ranking because he never wins any tournaments. You know, like it's not no system is perfect, but I I stand with you in thinking that you know he is the best player in the world right now. And I mean, he was interviewed, DJ was after his match you know, whenever, before he was going to play Scotty or when he found out he's going to play Scotty and said, you know, how do you feel about that match or whatever? He said, 
DJ sounded like he knew he he was the underdog. He said, Scotty's playing really well right now. As we've seen, he's just won a couple times. He knows this place really well. He's played well here before. It's going to be a really tough match for me. You know, what, what's that tell you? So I think if you if you pulled the players, anybody that's played with them these past couple months, you'd probably get some resounding, you know, like, it, it, I get it. It feels weird. You know, like, look at the names behind them. But rankings are, are a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business. That's how the points work. When you win, you get huge chunks of points. And that's what I have written down. I think I think everyone you made the you mentioned Tiger Woods. Like the, I think everyone has I have written on Tiger Woods syndrome that prior to when Tiger Woods was playing, you were able to draw a comparison between world number one and and one of the greatest of all time. I just don't think we're in that we're not in that world anymore. Where I think you could see a world a, potentially see a, a new world number one like every week for. I mean, every couple weeks for the rest of the season. Like, I think it's that razor thin right now where, where it can, can change constantly. And then I, I do have to say, uh, this is now, this is between John and Scotty, like two, two fairly unorthodox swings, I would say, between Scotty's feet and John's short swing. Like, I think it's, like, we went through a phase the last, I feel like the last 10, 15 years where it's been very, the golf swing was the golf swing and like there was a right, a right way of doing it. Now you're starting to see a lot of, a lot of different methods. And I think it's kind of cool to see these guys that with Sky's feet dancing all around and John's short swing to, to see them get to world number one. There's a lot of ways to swing the golf club. All right. So while that was going on, unless you have more to talk about for, uh, Nope, that's all I got. We had another tournament going on a real PGA tour tournament. I know you didn't watch much of that hunter, but Chad Ramey, Stormed back on the back nine on Sunday to beat Alex Smalley and Ben Martin, each by a shot. Ramey made four birdies in a in a row: 13, 14, 15, and sixteen. Shot five under on the round, wins by a shot. So he gets his exemption. He moves all the way up to thirty fourth in the FedEx Cup standing. So uh, Adam Shank was up there for a while. Ended up finishing tie for seventh. Had kind of a rough weekend. Ben Martin, one of the guys who finished a stroke back, that's a big week for him. Um, I mean, he was 235th in the FedEx Cup standings going into that. I think that's basically off the board. Did you catch so, his interview after uh, Sunday's round? You know, I haven't seen it yet. I've been meaning to watch it. I've seen it circulating. Have you? Uh, I, I like. I tried to watch it. It was. It was very. It was tearjerker. I'm a crier, so like I was like I was getting very teary eyed just watching. Mean, he's <laughs> obviously been through a ton. And he was, I mean, he was, and he seems like he has a very positive outlook on, on it all. I mean, from, from, it can't be easy going from the, the top of the sport to where he is now, but he seems to be battling back, obviously playing some good golf and he's played well over the last a few months. He's a guy who won early on. What was the, in his career and then kind of has, you know, come on harder times of late, still playing golf for a living, but, um, what was the question that prompted such an emotional reaction? Just what the what is the what did this week mean for you? Or yeah, it was is he disappointed longer. that he had lost, or is he thankful that he's got his second place check? 
Uh, it was something because he missed. He missed. Uh, I did watch a little bit of the the Corrales because he he missed a a pretty. I wouldn't say short. It was six foot probably, but it looked like it was pretty straight to get to that playoff with Ramey. And then I'm trying to remember the exact. Uh, not the finish you're hoping for, but haven't given you much time to reflect. Just uh, what are your initial thoughts on this one? What was the question? But he's so he's a USAM runner-up, one on the Corn Ferry, I believe, when he first got on tour. Um, maybe on the PGA Tour. I can't remember. Tough. Uh, it's a tough sport. Nobody's denying that. He does have a win. He has a. Uh, Four professional wins, two one on the PGA Tour, two on the Corn Ferry. The one on the PGA Tour was in 2014 on the Shriners Hospital for Children's Open. There you go. Um, and then he won two times back when it was the Web.com Tour, two times in 2013. And then um, he also has finished pretty high in the, the Open Championship. Uh, in 2014, he finished T26. He has finished T fourth at the Players Championship, and then he's runner up at the uh, USAM. So many great stories at these alternate field events. You had uh, what about what happened to Damon? Damon. Oh, that's right. I forgot about that. So let me read this. Mark Hubbard's brother tweeted out. I think I think Wiley retweeted it, but. Um, if you play Joel Dahman in Friday showdowns like I did, and you woke up in the morning to see that he had withdrawn and were confused by that, we had more developments on that story later in the day. Oh, I did hear about which, this, but go ahead. <laughs> I just had to say, well, I, I know now, but yes, continue on. So I'll just read this to you. This is... <laughs> Mark, he ends up missing the cut on the number, which is kind of like the brutal hindsight context of this story. But this is a text exchange with, I believe it's his brother, Nathan. Fairly clutch 18, you expletive blacked out. Mark, you have no idea. Nate, pooping and barfing? Question mark? Mark, yes. I broke my driver on the fifth hole and it's the longest course ever, which it is. We talked about that last week and I had to play with my three wood. (laughs) Everyone in our house is sick and Joel withdrew. And I was up from 1am with Harlow throwing up. And then I started throwing up on eight and chipped in on 18 to make the cut. So yeah, it's been a day now. Sadly, the cut moved. Which was surprising, and he didn't make it. Nathan, unreal. Mark, I'm so pissed that I didn't get my 18th hole. I chipped in and yelled, I am the greatest golfer of all time. (laughs) (laughs) And that is the story of Mark Hubbard missing the cut on the number in spectacular fashion at the Corrales Punta Cana 2022. Way, Way to stick it out, play the round. So they just of course, some... he probably thought he wasn't going to be sick. Harlow, I assume, is either probably probably a popular event for the families. I don't know. Joey played with my brother played with Mark a few weeks ago, I think. But um, I suppose that could be it could be his wife too. But that's that's 
we're always talking about the first few minutes before Hunter and I start every episode is usually us talking about our kids being sick. So that's dad life right there. And sorry, Mark, that it wasn't enough to get, get you through. So brutal, brutal beat there. So did Joel have, Joel was sick, obviously like with, with food yes. poisoning or just sick, stomach bug, stomach bug or something that was making them all throw up. Yeah, if I, I did see he did like a ask me anything for an hour while he was on the plane and he said that Gino had to bring him baby wipes. His caddy. Poor guy. Well, that's not that's not a way to defend your defend your championship. Yeah, a little outside of his control though, I yep, would say. I would say as well. Uh, anything else you got from the from the Corrales? No, nothing from Corrales. Can you take us around the tours? Because I know you got some local touch stuff to touch on. We had some, some uh, apart from Stewart had a good uh, week at Corrales. He's playing some good golf. Moved up another 15 spots on the uh, FedEx. It's a tie for seventh on a super long course. I don't know how the hell he does it. But uh, apart from that, we also had some other Michigan guys playing well on other tours. So. Yeah, so let's uh, let's just go ahead and get started with the. Uh, we'll start with the Corn Ferry Tour. So the Corn Ferry Tour was at the uh, the Lake Charles Championship, um, and Trevor Werbelow, uh finished eighteen under one in a playoff against uh, Sung Yong Kim. Uh, also finished eighteen under, and then uh, this was is this the Chitty Matcha, or my my week am I a week behind? This is this is post chitty matcha. I got, I got, I got chitty matcha in my mind. Uh, so this this was their their last stop in Louisiana before they head to uh, the landings over in uh, Georgia, which it sounds like I just learned last night that we're gonna have some boots on the ground uh, watching your brother play. So we'll have to get some some insider information of how how the golf course looks and all that good stuff as they play the the club car championship at the landings club. March 31st. Popular, yeah, popular one for the spectators there. It's a uh, cool resort, big place. Savannah is also obviously. Uh, you ever been to Savannah, Hunter? Yeah, I've stayed. Um, that's always where we. I stayed um, like when we're going from Florida to Michigan back and yeah, forth. It, it's a great, uh, great town. So yeah. I wish I could be there. Yep. Yeah. Got to work. Man's got to pay the bills. Uh, amen. All right. How about on the LA tour? On the LA tour. So we had uh, Mr. Alex Scott, uh, Traverse City native, finished at uh, T8th minus 13. This was at the uh, the Termo, Termos de Rio Hondo Invitational in Argentina. Uh, Kevin, I love it when you pronounce things. Thank you for that. I'm just, I'm, I'm almost to the point where I'm just not going to anymore. Because it's really not that funny. I don't. I don't enjoy it being wrong. I really don't. Well, I don't know that that was necessarily wrong. Uh, it's just I. a hard thing to say, and that I'm is, glad you're doing uh, it, and not me. Amen. Uh, Kevin Velo took home the title at uh, minus eighteen. I don't believe our friend Mr. Ben Cook made the cut, but let me double check that. Oh, he did actually. He made the cut on the number, finished at uh, plus two, 55th place overall. Uh, had a tough weekend, 74-75 to finish the weekend after a 
7368 to get started. On to do you have any backstory on the Willie Mac? I don't. Okay, let me just pull it up then. So Willie Sorry. Mac just won his uh I believe it was his 80th professional golf tournament over the uh over last I think it was last week on the uh, APG APGA let me see almost there this he just won actually my apologies number 70 70th uh, professional win this was on the uh, APGA this was in Queens or at Queens Harbor um in Jacksonville Florida so uh Congratulations to Willie. Obviously, he's, I mean, he's just, he's kicking ass. Great to see. Yeah, playing some great golf. Yeah. No, I'm, uh, <clears throat> I mean, to have, to have 70, 70 wins, no matter on what tour, professional level, is pretty awesome. FanDuel does have odds for the uh, club car championship, by the way, if you feel like betting that. All right. That's, that's, uh, that's all I really have from the professional ranks. Uh, have a little bit in the the college world. Um, the Michigan boys are still off until the uh, second week of April, along with the Michigan State boys. However, the um, the Michigan girls did play. Uh, we mentioned last week the Ping ASU Invitational. Uh, Ashley Lau uh, continues to to play extremely well. She finished T tenth after her third straight sub par 54 hole total uh she shot three under um this is i'm trying to think uh so this is u of m's last event now until they're off for about a week until the indiana invitational and then they're on to uh regionals which is uh in ann arbor so i hope so the hope is that they play they will find themselves uh at nationals or at the national championship just because they know the course and they are playing extremely well this year so far. Uh, like I said, finished T 11th as a team, Arizona state took home the, uh, title at their home championship at uh, minus 20, 25 under onto the <clears throat> Michigan state girls. Uh, they finished sixth place at the Clemson invitation out of 18 teams. Um, now the Michigan State girls are now off until the 15th and 16th when they go to the uh, Buckeye Invitational, Lady Buckeye Invitational at the Scarlet Course in Columbus, Ohio. You ever played that course? I've heard really good things. I've walked it. I haven't played it, but yeah, it's it's nice. It's a it's challenging. Has like kind of a kind of like Medina light. Mm-hmm. It's got that. Long, long, rough, tall trees, narrow fairways, slopey greens, fast, really well maintained, solid, solid course. Yeah, so they will. Not that, known for saying nice things about that area no. of the country, but I will. Uh, I'll say that much at least. I was. I was surprised. I got that much out of you. Uh, so that's the fifteenth and sixteenth, like I said, and then they are also off to regionals. Let me just quickly confirm where they are. I think they're also playing in Ann Arbor, but it's so hard with golf to know. A lot of good university courses in the Midwest. Yes, there are. Yeah, we're very uh, we're very lucky. 
Because I feel like, um, I don't know, maybe not the case. I feel like a lot of times the where what I imagine a university golf course being is what Michigan State East is, essentially. Just kind of like not nothing super challenging um, like that. Wide open and super easy. Yeah, I think the East is like is a par 70 maybe, maybe even less than that. Uh, so that so their regionals for Michigan State are still to be determined, um, but they do have the Big Ten championships are actually prior to the NCAA regionals. Those are uh, end of April in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania at uh, Fox Chapel Country Club. I'm uh, both Michigan State girls and, and Michigan girls will be competing in. And that's all I really have uh, as far as uh, around the tours go. By next week, well, I think we'll have the some boys stuff to talk about. But I think uh, this might be a good time. You want to talk about the um, Oakland Hills? Yeah, yeah, sure. Tell me what you... Uh... Yeah, so so um, obviously we're not for, we're not familiar. Uh, five weeks ago, the fire took out the in, the entirety of the clubhouse at Oakland Hills uh, down in Bloomfield. Um, they have just recently, as of was this this was last Tuesday, I think, literally right when we got done um, recording the podcast, we now have the country club just announced that they are hosting the 2051 US Open and then was it the 2034 US Open as well? 2034 and 2051 were the two they announced. But then I have yes. a list of other ones that are star that are So the lineup of championships that the cl- club will be hosting starting in 2024, so only two summers from now. In 2024, the US Junior Amateur, 2029 the US Women's Amateur. 2031, the U.S. Women's Open, 2034, U.S. Open, 2038, U.S. Girls Junior, 2042, U.S. Women's Open, 2047, U.S. Amateur, 2051, U.S. Open. So not a bad little lineup there for um, for just five weeks ago, not, not, not having a clubhouse to, I think they had all the other ones already set up, but to get two U.S. Opens on top of that is awesome. I mean, it's great. It's great for the city. Great for the area of Detroit as well. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. Now we all just need to stay alive until twenty thirty four. Crazy. I I don't even. Let alone twenty fifty one. What do you? Twenty fifty one sounds weird, doesn't it? That sounds like it's too far into the future. Like it's some kind of space odyssey stuff going on there. Well, I mean, it is. It is a long ways away. I would. I would going to be. Don't let's not do the numbers game, dude. I'm going to be 64. 56. <laughs> I'm going to be 64 years old. <laughs> I will go to the 2034 US Open. That's a promise because 2051, who knows, but I'll be able to walk at that age. Yeah, no, exactly right. Well, by then we'll just all be bionic. That's so true. We'll just be hovering around. 2050 is going to be the year that things start going well. I can feel it. <laughs> Long road ahead. Uh, so so I don't really I don't really know. This was all, I, I think, prior to this fire, they had done years of restoration work to to make their to make what they felt the USJ wanted for a U.S. Open golf course. So I think this was all, this has been in the works for the last... It's a long time coming. The last several years. So then yeah. to ha- I think that 
that fire, I don't think really changes, didn't really change what happens in 2034. It shouldn't at least. I mean, 12 years, 12 years away. I have a feeling they're going to have a clubhouse built by fall of 2020. I almost said 2023, but I think 2022. Something. They're going to have something built so fast. So people are just chomping the bit for that, uh, for that bit, I bet. Who wouldn't yeah. want to build Oakland Hills Country Club? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a rare opportunity for sure. All right. Let's wait till the end to talk about Tiger playing the Masters. Okay. Um, and let's get let's get this beautiful beautiful preview of this beautiful event. You know, squeeze that in here in the meantime. Yeah, let's do it. Ye old week before the Masters, Masters Eve, the over completely overshadowed Valero Texas Open at the unsightly TPC San Antonio. You will not see an uglier PGA Tour event on television. No offense to the fine folks of San Antonio, nor to Greg Norman and Sergio Garcia, who built this thing. Um, if you care what it is, any thoughts on the any just right off the top, Hunter? Any any strong takes on the Valero, the Charlie Hoffman Open? Yeah, so. I feel like you you meant a little bit of of offense to to, to Sergio and Greg Norman, <laughs> the ugliest golf course on the PGA Tour. Aren't they? Don't they try to replicate? It has to be though. Augusta, like the feel of Augusta, a little bit. They like they try to they try to set it up as like a get your game right for Augusta sort of thing. Or am I just imagining? I think it's that? interesting that it, if that must be what you, you Rory must have read the same article as you. Because what's he doing here? Otherwise, he's like, I know they have the rule about you got to play, mix in new event, change your schedule, whatever. The PJ Tour is getting all anal about that, but and it's probably a good thing for the tour that Rory is here, so maybe the rule is working. Nine, but part nine. of me wonders if he's just grasping at straws at this point, trying to put together a different. That's a big deal. You just go to San Antonio, play two days, miss the cut, and fly over to Augusta on Saturday. But it's it's interesting that he's here. I I think it's shock. I mean, it's very shocking that anybody anybody that thinks they have a chance of playing well at Augusta is here. It doesn't make much sense to me. I don't know. I mean, it's wanna, sometimes it's have better to play the week before. Uh, Phil I, I used I to do this. I agree. It's not like Rory's walking in here and not knowing what's going on. He's oh, he's only played here one time, which was eight years ago or nine years ago now. But he finished second nine years ago. Just never, here, just never came back. Yeah, really. Yeah, finished second two thousand thirteen. It's an interesting stat, Hunter. You should get a podcast. Yeah, well, I'm just uh, I'm a stat guy, you know. So par seventy two, seventy four hundred yards. Four par fives, really hard par fives. Really, only number two is even reachable. So that's a really unique element to the Oaks course at TPC San Antonio. Bermuda grass, eighth least penal course on tour for those who miss the fairway. So, which basically means the rough is nothing to, maybe a la Augusta to Hunter's point. The rough is nothing to bother with. It's only the 
you can't hit it in the rocks. So, you know, some people will say this is a driver and a putter course. Some people say this is an irons and a scrambling course. You know, maybe that too is kind of like Augusta because you would you could say the same thing. So I think maybe multiple game styles can win here. Um, seventh lowest green and right percentage at the Oaks course at TPC San Antonio among courses on the PGA tour. So you can both gain a lot of strokes with your approach in that sense by if the average is, you know, low sixties and you're hitting the mid seventies, you're going to be gaining just tons of strokes with your irons. And the other on the flip side of that, everyone's going to have to scramble at some point and there are runoffs and, and, uh, tight lies and kind of that sort of trimmed areas around the green. So generally speaking, this golf course is on the tougher side as it relates to other courses on tour. Last year's leaderboard was interesting in the sense that it, not just that speed got back in the, in his winning form here, but that he was, uh, the leaderboard was spread out at the top, which typically see with tougher golf courses. So it was like, you know, he was too ahead of second, was too ahead of third type of thing. Um, meaning fewer comebacks, that kind of like, this maybe not as good of a week to save a, save a bullet mm-hmm. and maybe get your, find the numbers that you like earlier on in the week. Um, speaking of past champions, Mentioned Spieth before that it was Connors, Monday, Landry, Monday qualified in, Chapel, Charlie Hoffman, who also has three second place, three second places in a win here. Jimmy Walker, Texas specialist, Stephen Bowditch, Stephen Bowditch won the Valero Texas Open, Martin Laird before that, and Ben Curtis way back in the day. So, well, what's that tell you? What do those guys mostly have in common? They strike the ball. Yeah, like they're not necessarily wild off the tee, with the possible exception of Jimmy Walker, but they're more they're you know, um, good iron players. But also, you know, it's kind of a hodgepodge. You know, like Connor's ball striker extraordinaire, Spieth probably made a bunch of strokes scrambling, Chapel. Good iron player, Hoffman, Irons, Walker, Irons. I don't know anything about Stephen Bowditch's game. Hardy Marty, good ball striker, not known for his short game. So, you know, you got to look at form, and it's the week before the Masters. So, like, who's who's coming here and really, truly trying to win the golf tournament, I think, is a part of the equation on the gambling side. So, the stats that I'm looking at approach good drives, gains, scrambling, uh, and par five scoring top 20 in those categories. Kazire, List, Decky, Hadwin, Neesmith, Vaughn Taylor, Pat Perez, Rory, Keegan, Gary Woodland, Marty Laird, Chris Kirk, Aaron Rye, Russell Knox, Matias Schwab, Doc Redmond, Corey Connors, Doug Gim. Texas guy, Mito Pereira, 
Robert McIntyre and David Lipsky, who had a good week at uh, Corrales. In terms of form, let's look at the strokes gained. Total last 24, Rory, Decky, List, Kirk again, Bryson, Bradley again, Schwab again, Woodland again, Hadwin, Kazire, Stewart, Knox, Vegas, McIntyre, Perez, McNeely, Siwoo, Connors, Howell, Stallings. If you take out the short game, just Tita Green, that changes to List, Bradley, Decky, Connors, Rory, Kirk, Knox, Laird, Hadwin, Guido Migliosi making an appearance here at 350 to 1. Patton Kazire, Robert McIntyre, Siwoo Kim, Matt Jones, Ryan Palmer, Kevin Streelman, Gary Woodland, Tony Fino. Matthew Neesmith again, and Tyler Duncan. Uh, course history. Most strokes gained per event up to the last five. Spieth, 11, only in two events. Connors, 9.2. Hoffman, 8.8. Has made five cuts in a row here. Uh, Kazire, well, these are outliers, outliers kind of. Woodland and Kazire have each played here once and played really well. Gary gained 10 strokes on the field and Kazire gained nine. Uh, but that's only in one event. Snedeker, seven and a half. Chapel, seven. Uh, Grace, seven and a half. Streelman, eight, has made four cuts in a row. Skipped this event last year. I think he's kind of interesting for like a top 20 play maybe. Kirk, five. Palmer, 4.7. Laird, 5.7. Siwoo, 4.5. Plays well here. Kuchar, 4.5. Five made cuts in a row. Uh, <clears throat> Landry, 3.7. He's actually missed the cut twice in a row here. And then Fowler is going to be a name that people are talking about a little bit. He's gained, he's played here twice, tied for 17 both times, and gained six strokes on the field in each of those events. So that gives you a look at some of the course history and some of the form here coming into the Valero Texas Open. Um, I'm betting one guy, one guy. I'm betting Charlie Hoffman, and I think I did this exact same thing last year. But these stats are insane, Peter. <laughs> I, I'm, I keep reading this from Rob Bolden. I don't, I don't think it quite makes sense, but let me read this out loud and see if it makes sense to you. Uh, perfect in all 11 trips to TPC San Antonio with a win – in 2016, three seconds and a T third among nine top 15s. That's that's more than I don't know if that math quite adds up, but he's never missed a cut here at at TBC San Antonio. He is 70 to one to win. 70 to one. I don't care if he hasn't played golf. I don't care if he hasn't broke par in three years. We're in San Antonio. We're at, we're at Charlie Hoffman's golf course. 70 to one. That's crazy. I might just, I might top five, it might top 10 it, top 20 it. So yeah, what, I mean, I can't, it's hard to argue, Hunter. <laughs> I mean, the history is like, he's priced next to You can to say this Ryan course Palmer. isn't a big history course, but that, like, when you have that kind of history, it kind of just, you know, everything else sort of goes out the window. The issue with, Hoffman is that the numbers are so bad with the form. But, oh, I don't, I don't you know, that's why he's 70 to one. So you're just, 
you're taking the number and you're looking past it. He's 135th in this field and strokes gained total the last 24 rounds. So, I mean, he's, he's one of the absolute worst players in this field in terms of his, his stats. Well, let me ask you this. Were those 24 rounds, uh, at the Valero Texas open? No, they sure were not. Okay. That's all I needed to hear. 70 to one to win. (laughs) I do want to hear, should we, should I just give my picks or do people want it? Should we give the odds board? I don't really care. Whatever you, uh, whatever you think. Well, I think it's interesting to know what's at the top. Yeah, let's, let's hear it. Just for the sake of knowing Rory, Rory who Hunter told us has a second place in his only previous appearance here nine years ago. Again, you can do it with a driver and a putter here. A la Siwoo Kim and look out maybe Bryson DeChambeau, but Rory seven and a half deckies and speed there 14. This is DraftKings. That seems like a short number for Decky. Connors 18, answer 22. Kirk, Chris Kirk 25 to 1. What a world. What a freaking world, dude. We just watched this guy melt at API. I shouldn't talk. I bet him at 33, but 25 is a crazy number. Or I got him at 35. See, yeah, 28 with Bryson. Bryson is the Brooks of this field. He's 28 to 1. He can dominate golf courses with his driver. He's a great putter. Oh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Gary Woodland is 30 to 1 on DraftKings. I bet him at 33. McNeely and Bradley, 35. Hadwin, I think a lot of people are going to play. Here's a big group at 40. Hadwin, McIntyre, Finau. I mean, you could just bet. Finau's going to be trying to win. You know, I think Bryson might be trying to win. You could, you could just get value on those picks. Palmer's 40 to 1. I've seen him as high as 70. Day is 50. Cage Palmer's Lee, 40 50. to 1. Yeah, I've seen him as high as 70, He's though. He's still 70 on, on Barstool. I'm looking at him. Yeah, that's a crazy night. That's a weird number from DraftKings. What do they know? Yeah, a little fishy. If you like Ryan Palmer shopping, go get the 70. DraftKings likes him, too. Yeah. Vegas, 55. Played well at Corrales. Merritt, terrible history here, fading him. Kazire, 55. I mentioned he grades out really well in the stats. That's a crazy short number for him. Almost like the Kirk 25. All right, rapid fire. List, Poulter, Mito Prayer, 60 to 1. Streelman, Fowler, Davis, Riley, Russell Knox, Nick Taylor, 65 to 1. Thigala, McCarthy, Kucher, Hoffman, 75. 75, Hunter. Plus 1,400 to top five. Gim, UT guy, Steele, Perez, grades out well. 80, Lanto, 90. Let's cap it at the hundreds, even though I love the long shots here. Fratelli, another Texas guy. Howell, Neesmith, down to a hundred. hundred. Laird, Hogard, Uline is in this field. Taylor Moore, I almost just bet him on the corn ferry. Taylor Moore. Kanaya, Hunter's boy, CT Pan, terrible numbers right now, 100 to 1. 
Okay, you're betting Charlie Hoffman and calling it quits there, right? That is correct. Only other guy that I, I kind of like, I like Streelman. I don't think I like him to outright. If I have him at 50 on my, I don't, I can't remember what you said. Um, but he has some uh, some very good course history here. Uh, he's mm. six for six, making the cut with two top tens with and four top fifteens. So, uh, obviously knows his way around this place pretty well. Yeah, I'm at sixty five to one. I don't love the outright either, but I'm gonna definitely play him in DraftKings, and I think I'll probably maybe be in on the top twenty too. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, let me let me ask you about a couple of guys. Davis Riley. 65 to 1. In contention at the Valspar. Didn't play their event last week. Had a week off. Has won a amateur event at TPC San Antonio before. Camera, I think it was a college event. I can't say for sure. I've been saying that this guy is gonna is gonna be good. We obviously we got to watch him play on TV, and everybody saw him swing the golf club, and they were like, "Holy sh! Wow!" Are we? What do we think about that? Is that number way too short? Uh, Riley's. Yeah. Uh, Sixty-five. I mean, like that's just kind of interesting, isn't it? it Coming off that really good week. Yeah, it definitely seems like it could be uh it could be and should be a little bit lower than what it is. I'm trying to find out where what event he won. It might have been a corn fairy event. Is that possible? Oh, it could have been. Could have been um, corn fairy. Riley became the first two time winner on the corn fairy tour this year with his win in San Antonio. This was in twenty twenty. July eighteenth, twenty twenty. Yeah, he won his first Corn Ferry Tour event, the Panama Championship, and then um, became the Davis Riley became the first player of the season to win twice on tour with a two-stroke win at the TPC San Antonio Championship at the Oaks. That's the same golf course we're playing this week, folks. Yep. So he has some recent success, just two years removed from a a championship. Okay, so I think that's interesting. I haven't bet that yet, but I think that bears pointing out. Then, in a similar vein, Sahith Thigala. I just said 75, but I've seen him at 100. He was also in contention not too long ago. Um, was that waste management? But this course also seems to fit what he can do in the sense that he can really, like he, his driver can be a weapon here. I've seen it as high as a hundred to one. I think that's interesting. And then I can't, I can't resist the Texas narrative. So I'm in on Bo Hostler again. Lord help you. <laughs> just for fun. Just for hundred and four. Just, just, just for fun. fun. Just hundred and forty to one. And then I'm in on Corey Connors light. The next Corey Connors. That seems Adam Svensson. Oh, two hundred to one. I like uh, I like Adam. I don't think, and this I don't is, think he can putt worth lick, can he? Isn't he a ball nope, striker? No, but I don't know that you need a putter here. That's true. And this dude's been ball striking it like crazy. Played well in Florida. This is going to be windy. 
irons. Like I think maybe it is, it's it's possible. It's a long shot. It's two hundred to one, but it's possible. And I found Matthew Neesmith at one fifty. I've seen ninety. I've seen a hundred. So I just took that because again, that's another guy just like Davis Riley, who I think is like is just disappeared from the consciousness because we had these other two events last week. But if this event were being played a week ago, his number would be half or less. So, and he also does, you know, he grades out pretty well in these numbers. He does what you need to do here. And certainly one of the guys that'll be kind of motivated. So Woodland and Kirk at the top for me, and then everybody's on those two guys. So there's literally no chance either one of them win. And then I got some bombs going in there, and I might add, you may have talked me into Charlie Hoffman. I might just top 20 it. And uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to think about the Davis Riley thing. Well, All right, is Tiger Woods playing the Masters? Um, if I had to say right now, I think he probably is. Or is this just like a PIP scheme? I don't think he really needs to. He's Tiger Woods. He doesn't need to do any schemes. See the video of him playing at Medalist? Uh, I did not. Got, like, as, as I guess it got scrubbed from the internet. Is that possible? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Quickly, I bet. You got to go to Reddit to find those videos. The swing didn't look that good to me. <laughs> Whoa. I didn't watch it. I didn't watch it. Allow, allow me to critique Tiger Woods. Yeah. <laughs> in what world? I haven't broken 75 in like a decade. Uh, I do think he's going to play. I, I do. I think it uh, seems like I think that's if he's a, gonna play, it means he's probably ready to like he thinks he can shoot like like definitely he's gonna make the cut. Well, I think don't you think it goes back to that that thing he said when like he first got on tour, like he doesn't come to an event to not win. Like why would you? Why would you? Why would you show up if you didn't have an intention of winning? Yeah, but he's done that before now too. Past couple of years, he's shown up a couple of times where it was like, eh, you're not, you know, you can't break par even. Crazy to see the greatest golfer of all time reduced to that. But I think he could break par. I think I think Augusta. He's just if as long as the short game is good, he can break par. It was so easy to make the cut at Augusta. Yeah, it's the smallest major field in golf by a mile, and half the players are former champions. Sandy Lyle. He'll be see, he'll be Sandy if he plays. I'll tell you that much. Too bad Azinger never won a Masters. You can get out there and play, and then oh no, that's on CBS. My bad. So we don't have to worry about that. Yeah, we're in the we're in the clear there. Falbo just chooses not to play. I feel like you get to a certain age. I wouldn't want to play. I feel like you're depending on. I think there's a lot of factors. You just don't want your name next to that number up there on TV. I think that's a that's a big part of it. Like guys plus seventeen that have always shot low numbers to see that that's probably pretty embarrassing. And then I feel like there's also a factor of you don't want to bring your playing partners down. I don't know how they pair, but you don't want to. The last thing you want is a guy that's playing well to be with paired with Nick Follow that's going out there and shooting ninety. It just slows. I mean, everything. I don't know. Throws everything off. I don't know. There's something about it that's funny too. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm sorry. I can't resist. This might be mean, but. All right. I'm betting some bombers for. I've decided I'm betting some bombers for Savannah, too. 
Okay. Christopher Ventura. 210 to 1. No idea what the form is. I think it's a bot. I think, uh, I can't remember. I remember watching Joey play here with Munoz. Sebastian played great that day. Made an eagle on a par four, and we all got like dollar beers because of it. That's a hell. That was fun. But the course is like, I think it's pretty open, except for a few holes that are kind of on like the marsh. So. Well, good. I think this is, isn't this where they hold the Q school? I believe. They do? Are you, no. are you confirming that or asking that? I'm asking. They've always played. I've, we've done, yeah, uh, or Corn Ferry Q school. Because I want to say this is where we had one of our guys, local guys, try to qualify through this. Yeah, it's the final stage for Corn Ferry Qualifying School. It is. Mm-hmm. Wow. True test. Exactly. All right. Well, best of well, luck. There you have it. At uh, the Valero, as well as the the landings. Oh, and uh, thank you. And good luck Congrats to, to, to Michigan. Scotty Scheffler. Unbelievable. And Michigan Hockey. Hockey School. They're a hockey school, after all. Uh, never a basketball school, never a football school, a hockey school. Still just an everything school. Frozen four-bound. Almost made it to the... Oh, yeah. I forgot about the Michigan Final girls. four and the, and the ladies. And that, was, that was the best Michigan bas- girls basketball team, women's basketball team we've ever had. So that was fun to watch. Yeah. All right, they, uh, what they lose by a dozen last night? I didn't mm-hmm. watch they got it to within two. Well, uh, yeah, they've had a great, great season. Awesome. Go blue. Talk to you.